Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to welcome you to this first week as we begin our journey toward Christmas. I want to welcome those watching in our video venues here at the Keller campus, all of those that are online that are part of the Milestone family, as well as guests, and those of you watching at 1230. Would you guys put your hands together and welcome all those that are joining us. We're glad you're with us today. Well, I'm excited about this time of year, and I have to be transparent with you. I have been emotionally moved all weekend. Um, I know this is your service that you're particularly a part of, but I have watched service after service as I've seen husbands and wives and children and men and women go public with their faith, and it it never gets old. In a year where we've been distracted by so many things, I have to tell you, it refreshes my soul to see that there's a lot of narrative out there, but Jesus' message is still ruling and reigning in the earth. And uh, he is seeking and saving that which is lost. He's still on his throne, and I've just been moved all weekend. Again, I've seen couples, husbands, wives, uh, a service where we started with a a lady in, in the tank there, just been through brokenness and challenges in her life, and You could just see God doing amazing things. Um, And then, of course, Jay's testimony is very moving. So God's presence has been here with us all weekend, and I'm excited to share with you a message this weekend that actually is a little bit unique and rare because last year during one of our 20-something Christmas services, um, I enjoy all the music. I enjoy everything about the services. I have since I was a kid. I just, I love church. You know, I'm kind of a weird church person. I guess it goes good with my profession. But anyway, I, um, I, I love it all. But I happen to be during one of the services uh, having a thought. You know, Lord, uh, Christmas is going to come next year. And you could really help the preacher out if you'd kind of give me a little idea, you know, about next year. And so I just started praying a little bit during the service and thinking, you know, it's coming and there's only like one story. So I have to share some messages. Can you help me out? You know, usually it's like the week of, you know, I mean, it, I just decided to get started a little early and I, I felt the whisper of the Holy Spirit tell me next year, I want you to preach on fear. And I went back in between one of the little segments before I came out and I told one of the team members that work with me, I said, don't let me forget this. I feel like God just spoke to me and said, next Christmas, talk about fear. So then I was committed. I went back to my seat during one of the next services, maybe number 17 or 18 at that point. And I began to think, wait a minute, what does fear have to do with Christmas? Isn't that Halloween? I thought it was supposed to be deck the halls, you know, it's supposed to be Yuletide, Christmas, Merry Christmas. And then I began to think, you know, I've heard the Christmas story since I was a kid and I started thinking about it and I thought, you know, it does say, do not be afraid several times in it. 
I'm going to ask you if you have your Bibles this weekend to turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. We're going to look at one segment of the Christmas story, but on our way there, then I will give you a couple of other passages as well as we think about how to overcome fear during Christmas. And I also began to think about this message this week as I was on a walk with my wife in our neighborhood. We were walking along through our neighborhood and she looked over at one of our neighbors and she said, Jeff, we need one of those. It was a nice, big, lit up nativity scene. She said, I want a nativity scene. I said, baby doll, you are beautiful. Have I told you lately how beautiful you are? But um, that's not going to happen. We don't need that. Remember, I'm a preacher. I don't have tools. Who's going to put it together? Where are we going to store it? What will we do with it? And she's like, well, look, he has one and they have this and he has Mickey Mouse. And I said, and I'm fine being a Christmas loser. I'm perfectly fine with it. I'm totally okay with being a Christmas loser in my neighborhood. And besides that, you have been progressively building up to what we have now. We now have lights all over the house. You talked me into a few years ago, lighting the yard. And then we lit the driveway. And we have teenage drivers, and they have run over the lights twice. I just want you to know, they've run over them. So I don't think we need a nativity scene. By the way, we have a nativity scene. We have one. Here it is. It's one of our favorite little pieces of Christmas decor. When Brandy and I were early in our marriage, we had the opportunity to go to Israel. And so we actually bought this nativity scene in Bethlehem. It's made from real olive wood. My kids love to set it up. And so we have a nativity scene. We don't need a lit up one that you can see from space. We don't need it out there. We have one. I started thinking about nativity scenes and maybe you have one, maybe in your front yard. Cheers to you, or you have one at your house. But I began to think about this iconic symbol of Christmas and how it has this perfect little setting and there's baby Jesus and there's all the people gathered and there's a nice little hue and a nice little light and it speaks to all is well, everything's good, peace, calm, joy, Christmas. But if you really know the story of what those people were walking through, there were a lot of reasons to be afraid. The basics of how they did life, the challenges they had culturally, the challenges they have economically, and this phrase that God uses, by the way, not just in the Christmas story, but all the way through the Bible, don't be afraid. If you will put it in modern terms, why are you so scared? Why are you so full of fear? Don't be afraid. 365, 366 times in the Bible, it's like, don't be afraid. And it's in the Christmas story. You may not know that. It's not just Merry Christmas. It's do not be afraid. I'll look at some of the aspects of where that's found three times in the main story. One is Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She's troubled. He hasn't said anything troubling. He said, you have a lot of favor and I'm going to be with you. Ha ha. 
Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. The angel said to her, Mary, you have found favor with God. Joseph, Jesus' earthly father. Joseph, in Matthew 1.20, Joseph, the son of David. Do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now let's think about this to do justice to the text. I don't want to simplify just our world of 2020 where a year ago the Holy Spirit knew that we would need to hear about fear. A few weeks after that, he told me our word for the church was purity for this year. I'm believing for overflow or jubilee this next year, just so you know. I'm going to kind of banter with God if he gives me these purity and fear words again. But anyway, (laughs) he knew where we would be. This idea of fear to do justice to the text would not be let's just superimpose our modern world living into just our fears. The fact of the matter is, in context, God has been silent for 400 years. He's making a radical shift. In the Old Testament, there were only special people that could encounter this holy, great, and awesome God. So just to be clear, if that God comes in the midst of normal, frail humanity, you might have some fear. So there is the practical of the glory of the Lord, the greatness of this all-powerful God with a different perspective where it's like, whoa. But if you really study the story and look at it, I don't believe that we're taking great theological liberty to only say that they're just afraid because they're encountering an almighty God, but it's also what he's going to ask them to do. What he's going to ask of their participation And there's where we really can relate to the story. It's not just that when I get in the presence of God, I sense my inadequacies in comparison to his greatness, that I have a tendency to understand where I've willfully walked away from his desires for me. It's not that I just feel that, it's that how will he contradict my mindset to ask me to participate in what he's doing in the earth because every time he does, if I don't look at it the right way, he's got to remind me, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So it's what he's asking them to do. Luke chapter two, verse eight, another big key part of the Christmas story. These shepherds, they're living out in the fields nearby. They're keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Look what it says. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. So obviously this is an apex, crescendo, critical moment in human history where now humanity who has tried to do the right things to be pleasing to a perfect and holy God, he is changing the game to say, now I want to come as Emmanuel. I want to dwell with you. I want to be with you. I want to make an eternal relationship with you. And it is a powerful thing when we see people make a decision to follow Jesus. It affects eternity. Heaven is a real place. Hell is a real place. But the Bible says eternal life is actually to know God. 
And there's a longing inside of every human soul, no matter how much they stack up in their 401k or accomplishments or trophies that they hang on the wall, there's an ache inside of the human soul to be with the God who created them. And he's saying, I'm making it a way, I'm making a way and making it possible for that to happen now. I'm changing the game here. It is a major moment, yet, if we really think about it, the Christmas story is much like a lot of the other stories in the Bible where God says, I want to do this in your life. I want to do it through you. I'm asking for your participation, but there's one big barrier. At every step in your journey with Jesus, fear can paralyze you. Here's the importance of understanding fear. It's not just that we have fear or we are afraid, but when we live in fear, if we let fear take its dominant position over the truth of God's word, what it does is it sticks us, it paralyzes us in our current state. I would love to tell you that you outgrow it. I would love to tell you that you can come to enough church services and you can listen to enough sermons to not be afraid, but I know people further in their journey, they're more afraid than the people who just got dunked. Because fear is an interesting thing. It's a very interesting thing. There are casual fears, but there are all types of fears, by the way. I was asking my family just because I was thinking about this service. I said, what are you afraid of? My daughter, 16-year-old, Lauren, she said, I'm afraid of clowns. I don't know if there was a trauma that happened at a birthday party or why that happened or probably some scary movie that her brother showed her, but she said, I'm afraid of clowns. My son said he was afraid of wells. I'm afraid of a phobia that you may not know. It's pelidophobia, the fear of bald people. <laughs> There's one that we all have this type of time of year that I looked up, phobia, cynogenesophobia. It's the fear of relatives, so that's a different message, okay? We'll talk about that later in the Christmas season. As humorous as it is, what about the fear of failure? What about the fear of rejection? What about the fear of financial ruin? What about the fear of your child not becoming what you view they should be and the fear that you caused it? What about the fears that plague all of us? By the way, you're saying fear, is all fear bad fear? Is it everything? Well, the fact is God made us biologically and chemically to respond to a crisis with a adrenaline dose, a, a biological process that causes us to recognize things that could harm us. And in a short burst of time, actually fear can be of benefit to us to help us avoid being destroyed, but over a long period of time, it's toxic. Over an extended period of time, that's why I'm saying it's not wrong to be afraid, it's, it's wrong to live afraid. To live afraid means you have a toxic thing happening not only in your spiritual well-being, but your biological well-being that leads to anxiety, that leads to depression, that leads to other crutches that you try to find to get you out of it, and the hope is that we would take the words that are coming to us in the Christmas story and the words of the Bible to not be afraid. You're like, okay, I got you. I don't want to be paralyzed. I don't want to be stuck. I don't want to live in fear. Maybe you're online and you're thinking, I just tuned into this. This guy knows where I live. No, the Bible knows where we live. How do you overcome fear? Number one, you have to understand this. Being afraid doesn't keep us from being with God. 
Now let me unpack something that I picked up on along the way. I've used like you that I thought a thought growing up in church, I don't know where I got it. I don't know how it came. It makes a lot of rational sense. It just doesn't align with the Bible. And that is that we have this concept of God that if God's in it, everything's smooth. We use words like, well, I'm just going to pray that the Lord opens the door. I don't have time to preach it to you, but there's a moment where there was a supernatural call by the Apostle Paul into a setting where the Bible does say, a great wide door for effective service has been opened, but you don't want to read what happened after they walked through the door. There's this idea that says, well, if it's all perfect, if there's no challenges, if there's no problems, if I don't have to in any way use faith or confidence in God's word, then man, I am actually cooperating with God, but maybe... God's not in the midst of your desire to protect yourself from anything that would make you afraid, period. Actually, what we do in our culture, and we have the ability to analyze every scenario now, in former days, we didn't have access to as much stuff to analyze. Now we can analyze and we get analysis paralysis and figure out everything. The people of the Bible and the people even 50 years ago, they should have been a lot more scared. They just didn't know what they needed to be scared of. But now we have all the ability to analyze every possible scenario and outcome that could cause us to be afraid. And the real tragedy of it, we think that God actually wants that for our lives and that if there's any fear present, then God's not in it. Actually, we idolize and worship fear by bringing it to its own altar so that we don't have to experience it. We bring it to that place and we substitute it for the God who says, no, I'll be with you. I'll be with you in what makes you afraid. I'll actually maybe even be more present and favoring you and being with you in the things that you have reason to be afraid of. So actually, life in the kingdom doesn't take much of a little crisis to begin to surface these things in our lives. The challenges in our lives, I wanna to clarify to every person listening. Living under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, submitting your full life to him will be a journey that is exhilarating, exciting, and it's amazing, and you will be in awe of God at every turn. But it is not fear-free. It is not fear-free. It's like my kids' Starbucks drinks. They are so free of everything, I'm trying to figure out what's actually in them. You can have it fat-free, lactose-free, sugar-free. You can have it all free. Well, some people have bought into a Christianity that is so fear-free, it's not Christianity at all. It's not following Jesus at all. Because following Jesus means, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I want to take you here at every turn along the way. Let me unpack fear for a minute because some of you are like, okay, I got you. Uh, it's, it, 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 uh, let me unpack it, though, and expose it for the lie that it is and give you a little deeper understanding of it. Recognize fear is a spirit, so it's irrational, okay? Fear is a spirit, so it's irrational, okay? Once you understand this, you probably have a little more equipment to fight it. This is very important. I don't think everyone understands that fear is a spirit. Think about it in the Christmas story. Mary, you are highly favored, I am with you. Ah! He said nothing that's scary. 
He had nothing to say to her that was that scary. Now, he, she's in the presence of God, so she probably has some fear related to that. But, but, but every one of us would want to hear that you are highly favored and I'm with you. And like God himself, tell us that. It'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm still scared, but look, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, it's, it's like, wow. So there is a belief, and I know all of us have it, that I will arrive to a place in life where I will have so much securities upon securities and backup plans upon backup plans because of my genius analysis that I will be in such a protected place that I will never feel afraid. And you know what? If God would come out of heaven, actually, preacher, I appreciate what you're preaching, but look, I'm listening to you and you're just saying all that, but like if God himself would show that to me, like if God would really tell me you have nothing to be scared of, I'm with you and he'd kind of do like an angel thing, I wouldn't be scared. Yes, you would. You would. There's no scenario that gives you in the natural enough confidence that fear doesn't operate because fear is not logical. Fear is not practical. Fear is not in any way based on the concrete information of the way you make decisions. It's a spirit. So it's irrational and it comes into our lives. Some of you say, well, fear is not a spirit. Where'd you get that? Well, 2 Timothy 1.7 by the way, young families, I had my kids right after John 3.16 memorize this. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear is a spirit that travels through the open doors of the way we do life and comes to lodge itself in our souls. And you say, why is it important to know that it's a spirit? Because you're looking to combat it in the rational and wonder why you stay so afraid. You can't combat it in the rational. You have to combat it in the spiritual. It's a spirit. Here's the third thing. And that is let's look at what to actually do. Expect to have fearful moments, but realize you don't have to live in fear. Now, some of you say, you never get afraid, Pastor Jeff. No, is that, you're preaching this with so much confidence. I'm preaching it from revelation because I'm living what I'm preaching to you. Multiple reasons. Life, as you journey through it, presents multiple reasons and multiple opportunities to be afraid. We all have it. I have irrational moments of thoughts of fear. I have kids moving out of the house. I have building projects, things, things in the lives of people. And if I let it and succumb to it, the spirit of fear can dominate my life the same way it can dominate yours. There's some things I've learned along the way. There's some things I've picked up and I wanna give them to you that are practical. Like you're like, okay, I got you. I'm with you. Somebody listening online, I got you. What do we actually do? What do we actually do in this situation? Well, here's four things I've learned from people in 25 years of pastoring people and walking with people and in my own life. Here's some things they do to overcome fear. These are some different ways of viewing the world through a biblical lens that can help you with fear. Number one, they trust the character of God. They ultimately trust more in the character of God than they do in the spirit and feelings and scenarios and expert, everybody around them trying to tell them what is true, they ultimately trust the faithfulness and the character of God. That's where they ultimately land. Fact is, we go through things in life, but if anyone here, I'm not minimizing the brokenness of what people go through. You're like, pastor, if you knew what I've been through, look, as a pastor, I know. I understand. 
I've walked with many people through their most painful moments. But I will say this, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been or what you've been through, if you take an honest look at your life, even through the challenging things, God has a way to make good out of those. And if we really look at God's resume, let's look at his honest resume, not what the spirit of fear says about God's character. Fear ascribes and subscribes to God's nature and character a whole lot of things that are not really on his resume. He has truly been faithful to us. He has been faithful into all generations. I think about the story with the apostle Peter, and I think about this sometimes even in my own life when fear tries to take a grip because it's really what you're trusting in. What are you really trusting in? Your ability to avoid fear, your ability to look to someone who will tell you to not be afraid. God, I mean, what are you really trusting in? I think about the apostle Peter who made some mistakes, but he walked on water. You know what I'm saying? I just love the fact that he tried. I just love the fact he didn't make it all the way, but he walked a few steps. And there's a little phrase in there that really caught me that just I'm drawn to, and that is he's walking okay. He's looking at Jesus. He's out there on the water. He's taking a few steps, right? You say, well, I'm never going to walk on water. He's going to ask you to walk on water. Get out of the boat. Do this. Start that business. Step out for God. Be really who you say you are. Don't just live one way during the week and another way on Sunday. Do whatever he asks you to do. He's going to ask you to do something at some point. If you get close to him, I hear a lot of people say, I just wish God would talk to me. Have you read the book? Every time he talks, it's like, ha! Ah! Don't be afraid. Get out of the boat, Peter. He's walking. He's walking. And the Bible says he focused and looked at the wind. He began to look at the wind. He took his eyes off Jesus. He starts looking at the wind. I tell you this year, we have done a lot of focusing on the wind, but we haven't done a lot of focusing on Jesus. A lot of wind focus. Looking at the wind starts to sink. And this is what I love about Jesus. The Bible says he took him by the hand. He took him by the hand and pulled him up out of that situation. At the end of the day, you know what keeps you from living in fear? Is which hand do you grab? Who can pull me out of this? I'm going with Jesus. I'm going with his word. I'm standing on those promises. You trust the true character and nature of God. Here's the next one. They don't feed their fear. People that don't live in fear don't feed their fear. I mean, I say this a lot, but you know what? I could say it every Sunday. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Whatever you focus on, you get full of. Some of you need to disconnect your feeds. You're so anxious because you're listening, and a lot of it, by the way, is not even true. It is clickbait because if it is fear-based, if it bleeds, it leads. It gets the top spot because it makes you scared. And the enemy just wreaks havoc on people. Just havoc, just, just, just absorbing all of this. There are things I do not read. There are things I do not watch. There are things I do not look at. And there are people I don't hang out with because I don't need to feed my fear. I got plenty. I don't need any more. I don't need any extra. Whatever you feed grows. 
So do a little fear evaluation of what you're feeding. Here's the next thing. They have people who help them. Here's the cool thing about this kingdom thing. As soon as you give your life to Christ and you're baptized, I really believe these people who just got baptized this week, they're going to run into someone who's a step behind them. That's the cool thing about it. He doesn't wait until you've been to seminary, know the whole Bible. In fact, he sent the disciples out as lambs in the midst of wolves. They didn't know a lot. He said, you guys are in the game. So what happens is you get one step toward Jesus and he's going to show you someone that is a half a step. And then you get a chance to go, I don't know much about this Bible, but I do know Jesus saves people. Do you want that? I, knew, I do know you can go to heaven and not hell. So you'll get someone who's a little bit a step baby back and as you're mentoring and discipling people, I'm so glad that we have built our church on reaching the lost, making disciples in the context of spiritual family. That never goes out of style. And it's all, it's, so that's what we do. We help those that are walking with us. So you reach back. Now, have a little grace for that person. You know? Have a little grace because what they're afraid of, you used to be afraid of too. It's like our kids, you know? They're scared of the dark, you know? It's like, come on, guys, there's nothing in here. Boogeyman's not in here. But there's something in your life that's just as irrational that you're just as scared as your kids of the boogeyman. Because fear is a spirit. And so we reach back and help. But you know what? If you only spend your life with people more scared than you, you're going to struggle in the big fearful moments. You better have somebody ahead of you that knows God and trusts God and let God be true and every, everybody else be a liar. You better have somebody that has walked through some battles and some things that can look you in the face and say the spirit of fear is in operation in you. You don't need to let it dominate you. You better have somebody like that. You know what happened in the Christmas story? Mary hears. Now that's big now. All right, you got this baby. It's the savior of the world. Don't be afraid. It's the hope for all humanity. Joseph, okay, you're engaged to this girl. You've been faithful in your relationship. Now you got to go back to town. Take her as your wife. We've been faithful. We haven't done anything wrong. The Holy Spirit got her pregnant. Don't be scared. What happens to Mary? She goes, some scholars say cousin, others say aunt. We don't know. All we know, Jesus and John the Baptist, there was a connection there. John the Baptist, his cousin Elizabeth, she's a little further in months down the road in this baby thing. Mary, go talk to her. Go talk to her. Makes sense in the natural. You ever been around ladies when they start talking about pregnancy stories? Oh man, I'm like, TMI, I'm out. You know what I'm saying? Let me, whoo, yeah, no, uh-uh, uterus. Okay, good, all right, praise, praise the Lord. Are we allowed to say that in church, uterus? Can we say that? You get some ladies up there talking about pregnancy stories. It's like, whoo, I mean, let me tell you about throwing up. And then it gets worse from there, you know? But she had Elizabeth. Elizabeth was helping her. And Elizabeth, the gift of faith can be transferred and can help you in your fear. Do you have anybody like that in your life? Here's the one I really wanted to share with you as I prayed about this. Literally for a year I've been thinking about it, the last few months thinking about what I want to share with you. And I believe we're in a context, in a culture, in a situation 
where this is so important. They know they are part of a different kingdom. Let me tell you what happened on Christmas. Guys, don't be afraid. If there's ever a reason to not be afraid, I'm bringing good news, I'm bringing hope, I'm bringing joy, I'm bringing peace. I'm changing the game. This baby represents the initiation of a new kingdom. I'm sorry, I'm preaching, I'm yelling, I'm excited. If we just knew what that meant, a different covenant based on different promises. Not I have to organize my life to make sure that I'm right with God and gain his favor. I have favor through this person, Jesus Christ. I have relationship with the almighty, all-powerful God who rules and reigns over the universe. Because of now this baby who becomes a man who dies on the cross, who raises from the dead, I am initiating a different kingdom. The baby in the nativity scene grew up. And Jesus said in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. And you know, people who ultimately don't live paralyzed in fear, they know, you know what? I'm under a different king. I'm under a different rule, a different reign. Whatever it is that you're afraid of, I'm under his rule and reign. I live in a different kingdom. By the way, the Bible, most of God's people throughout the Bible lived in caustic situations and scenarios and situations and God took care of them. I live according to a different kingdom. I, I, I say this, God will protect us. God will watch over us. We use, we use wisdom. I'm not just speaking specifically about health, but even health. If we die, we win. Fear of death is one of the biggest things people face. Well, guess what? We're all going to experience it. The question is not, will we experience it? The question is, how do you experience it? And if you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, you live forever. You live forever. We don't preach about that enough in today's world. I know we think we've created heaven right here in Dallas-Fort Worth, and if you're not from Texas, you're welcome to the closest thing to heaven. But this is not heaven. This is not our home. I am of a different citizenship. I am a foreigner in an alien place. I am under a different rule and a different king, and I'm going to move from preaching to meddling. The stock market is not the determiner of my financial destiny. It is not the determiner. Thank God when it's up, and thank God for the blessings, and I am an analyzer and understand business, and we need to look at business. But look, 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 look. We live under a different rule. We live under a different kingdom. And you know what? When I want to get afraid, I just remember that there's a king on the throne who's my ultimate leader, who I'm submitted to, and it gives me peace when I want to be afraid because I'm not in charge of my own destiny. I'm under his rule and reign. I want to pray for you. I had a moment this week. My wife and I, we take a little date lunch, usually on Thursdays, and there's a lady that we're friends with. I'll show you the illustration of it. it's really not even so much only about the amount of messages and amount of maturity. And fear is kind of an equal opportunity plaguer. It'll get you. I mean, there are people who have sat in church. They could quote 2 Timothy 1, 7, and they're scared. Why? Because the older you get, the more you have to protect the more you have to be afraid of, actually. 
When you're young, you got nothing. So you're just like, well, you know, let's just jump off the cliff. You know, what could happen? I could lose what I don't have. It's a lady who I highly respect, who's highly influential with people, a very bright light, works with people and helps people and knows the word and Amazing. She called Brandy. She texted Brandy and I first. We put her on the speakerphone and she said, I just needed you guys to pray with me because for the last several days, I've just been depressed and anxious and just carrying a burden and crying. And I'm like, really, you're the most upbeat person I know. So what's going on? As I start unpacking it, you go back to a Thanksgiving moment at the dessert table where there's a person who she loves and respects and probably well-intended, but doesn't understand being of a different kingdom, doesn't understand not being dominated by a spirit of fear, and says some things to her. Did you know words are powerful? Because a lot of times on the wings of words, the spirit of fear comes. Because it's ultimately what words are you trusting? You can read something on the internet and you could start trusting that as the truth or you can hear something from someone else and these were words from someone that lodged themselves in her soul. So I just began to talk to her about the spirit of fear, what I'm preaching this weekend. I began to say, those words don't define you. And you have a choice right now to either accept and receive that or anchor yourself to the truth of God's word. I actually had her repeat after me and I reject these things and we prayed the word and we had a moment and it's amazing supernaturally, boom. Because fear is a spirit, it's amazing. In a moment, it's like, wow, I just, boom. And she's back. See, the enemy wanted to keep her during Christmas from being a bright light and helping others and giving life because if he could keep her stuck over here in the words of this person who's dominated by fear, then she could just be ineffective and paralyzed. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. And I wanna pray for you if you're watching online or you're in another service, I wanna say this. First of all, to receive Jesus, you have to deal with the fear issue. Fear is one of the barriers that the enemy uses to stop you from receiving Jesus. What is it? Well, I mean, what if, well, what if I can't live up to it? What if, what would my friends say? What will, what, what, if, what if it's not true? What about this? What about that? Fear is the ba- greatest barrier to you surrendering your life to Jesus, in fact. And so I want those of you that say, look, you're like Jay. I see those stories. I see God moving. I want that. Lord, I pray against a spirit of fear that would stop them from saying yes to you. And Lord, I right now pray that they would receive you. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you right where you are just to say, Jesus, Come into my life. I believe you died for me. You rose from the dead. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Become my Jesus. Just make it your words. Come into my life in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, I'm asking you to let us know. Maybe come to 101. Talk to somebody. Come forward. Send something in online so we can help you start your journey. But I want to pray for a second group of people because I believe there's a second group out there. You're like, I know Jesus. I know Jesus loves me. I know his word is true. But a year ago, God was thinking about you this weekend, right now, fear. An inordinate amount of fear has tried to come into your soul. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that the spirit of fear would be broken. That Lord, you would 
change their perspective, that every person listening to me under the sound of my voice would say, your word is true. Three times in the Christmas story, we just join right there with it and we receive it like you're speaking it to us. Do not be afraid. We receive your word today, Lord, and break the power of fear on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.